back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. I'm first excited to welcome my co-host, Damon Cowboy347 Harper. Damon, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guests. You're going to introduce them because when you talk about music, you're a man, fan of music and all these different things. And it's really intriguing what these guys are doing. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm super honored to share space with uh, Brother Russell and Brother D. Brown um, of Supernova. Um, I, I feel like they are cornerstones of the L.A. scene uh, right. with some of the sweat equity they've invested in the industry. And uh, on the Media Giants platform, this is huge. Yes, Lord. Wow, thank you. Thanks for ha Thank having you. us. Appreciate, Appreciate that. It. Thank you for having us, you guys. <laughs> how did it all start, for you guys? Yeah. So, how did it all start for you guys? Kind of give us the story. Uh, it's um, it's just interesting. Uh, we both have two unique stories of how uh, we were just came into music and um, basically how we were introduced by someone that was a family member to him and someone that was a best friend to me. And the moment we were put together, that supernova just happened. And so, um, you know, it's uh, a, a long um, story that probably could take the whole show, but <laughs> to to uh, to break it down in short terms, um, you know, we just kind of uh, connected through a mutual uh, friend of ours or family member to Davey. And he saw, he saw, he recognized the talent and he brought us to, to together basically in some way. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's just that that story about um uh that friend that that's always saying, Oh, you gotta meet that that my cousin, you gotta meet my cousin. You always have that that's friend like that's always trying to pair you with somebody. You gotta meet my cousin. And it's just weeks and months go by and finally that opportunity happened where we're in a studio session. It's like, remember that cousin you were telling me about? Why don't you bring him on through? And he right. brought him on through, and it happened to be Davey Brown, and it's just the magic happened instantly. All right, all right. Uh, Neil, you don't mind if I, if I dive on. right in? Go uh, ahead, dive in. A, go, go, go. It's a blessing, man. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I want to get the juices flowing. Yeah. Um, bro, brother, I'm going to start with Brother Rossell. Uh, I, I, I've caught, I've caught, um, I've caught some of your work growing up um, just off oh. of the the Fergie story off of VH1 a long time ago. But wow. there's this, there's this dynamic I have to ask, like, you know, having, having the, the hits that you guys have, um, you know, allowing yourselves to be in top 40 right now, you got one that's, you know, 38, you got one that's 41 on um, the iHeartMedia. And, you know, I saw a segment from Jermaine Dupree. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come a little different with, with my question. And he said how he ran into Babyface um, a long time ago, and because uh, I think he had a hit from Criss Cross. And uh, Babyface said, "Man, um, you know, he basically belittled Jim Jermaine Dupree's sweat equity in the in the track, but he made Jermaine Dupree feel like he did nothing." And Jermaine Dupree said that, uh, you know, you know, man, it was then I realized that I can't just do it one time; I have to continuously do this thing. So because of that fact, right, um, as artists, as producers, as writers, right, um, does, does, is there like this sense of like, man, underappreciation of your sweat equity because you have to get something done and move on to the next, right? 
uh, or because Brasel, right, uh, coming back to the point of why I wanted to start this this phenomenal dialogue, because of the fact that you introduced Fergie to 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 Black Eyed Peas, right? The fact that you've done some production work, the fact that you you've done some writing, right? Is there this sense of like being present? There's this sense of like being more rooted in gratitude, right? Because you had kind of like a different introduction into the music game. Yes, Lord. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's a good question right there. <laughs> um, it's kind of like being a fortunate to see your own friends uh, deal with the kind of ups and downs and the challenges that they went through in the industry. Right. And so, um, you know, it was tough for them. You, you know, people just saw them blow up and the glitz and glamour, but there was more to their story that a lot of people don't realize. They had to fight and they had issues with the label. They had issues with themselves and all that kind of stuff to get to where they are. And, but the thing is, I think that we all kind of were, um, as a group of us, we're always inspired to, there's that a, a certain thing, I think in, especially with hip hop, where there's a, a like a, a competitiveness. And so we would always try to impress each other and outdo each other. And right. so that kind of um, thing, I think you kind of as a habit that that um, that makes you keep on going. Where it's like we're all about that ambition and all about trying to grow and progress and and see what we can do creatively and do things that we haven't done before, especially. And so with music, it's been able to uh, me and Davey, we strive to continue to do things that we just haven't done before and. Uh, whether it's musically, creatively, or traveling, going to a different place that we haven't been before, or um, just, just you know, I think to to not get bored, to know, and just that this has just been uh, in our soul, just to do music, yeah. whether, whether um, you know, I don't know, it's just something that we just don't stop. It's just in us, it's that ambition. And so beyond just being around people that influence you and that are always staying creative, we kind of uh, see that create. We see that kind of like inspiration throughout in the world that that makes us to continue to write and and Davey is always constantly coming up with different um, music and he's like, here, let's listen to this and this. And so it's just I think that support of just having good people around you that that keep you going and keep you um, as having ideas and having visions to keep um to keep motivated i guess in some way so yes, you know absolutely yeah. <laughs> now davy how much did you learn from Russell working with him for these years and kind of getting this together and his experience from uh, um an unmeasurable invaluable amount i mean i i think we kind of play off of each other so well that it just even from day one it just came too easy and so it was kind of like a no-brainer right off the bat of just the way we kind of bounced off of each other. And, um, you know, it was just one of those things where we started off not even uh, doing a session for ourselves, but more like doing work with uh, with other artists. <clears throat> and then it was just kind of one of those instant like, hey, we're doing this for other artists, but, you know, we should do our own stuff. It was, it was just way too easy, too smooth, uh, too natural. And so... Yeah, we just kind of had to ride the wave and go with the flow because it, it was just some this universal, you know, uh, 
attraction of like, you know, why aren't we doing this ourselves and making our own music and put it that that's what we do. So yeah, it just came way too easy. But uh, as far as like, yeah, learning stuff. Um, I mean, I couldn't even begin to, to start nowhere to start, nowhere to end as far as what we've, what we've learned off each other, what I know I've learned off of him. Um, what I'm sure he's learned off, off of me. We, it's just, you know, anything, not even just music, but just life brotherhood. Um, you know, sometimes we, talk on the phone for a couple hours and it has nothing to do with music and we're just kind of ping-ponging back and forth um in just sort of this like magical way where it could be just anything really any topic yeah, yeah this I, is, I uh, think you learn to have um uh, a brotherhood in a sense with this and it's something just beyond music because um you know you become almost like an extended extended family in a sense. And so I have that with uh, all, all of a lot of the people I've worked with in the industry where it's just, um, you know, I think that having that brotherhood, having that connection, that bond also um, brings it to another level of uh, keeping things going and keeping things consistent. Um, uh, brother, brother, brother Brown and, and Russell, uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, for sticking together for so long um, from the precipice of just being classmates. That, this thing about harmony I keep hearing. Um, what is it about both of you guys' individual stories that allows you guys to be respectful about the aspects of harmony as you guys, you know, grow together and create together? Uh, because, you know, you guys done some some phenomenal work and I got two more questions to ask after this, but I, I would like to get you guys' mindset on just that and how important that is, you know, between the both of you doing such, you know, profound work together. I think for me, uh, just first and foremost, like, so my dad was a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, my older brother is a multi-instrumentalist, so I kind of grew up in a house where instead of there being toys around, it was the toys were our musical instruments. And so my dad always had like pro musicians coming in from different genres to jam. My brother had his friends coming in to jam. And so it was just kind of like the local jam house in Southern California. <clears throat> and so with that being said, I kind of grew up in the <clears throat> mindset of just always like in jam mode, which really is about harmonizing with your brothers and, and, and collabing. And so for me, it was just like a, a like a natural thing where you're just supposed to listen because these these are guys you're not coming in with sheet music like I've done the sheet music thing. I've played in like jazz orchestras, Latin jazz orchestras, that type of stuff. But as a kid growing up, it wasn't about sheet music. It was about listening and having that like musical conversation with each other. So I'm hearing this person I'm hearing. What can I do to to contribute? What can I do to 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 make that uh sound better and then what can i do and hopefully whatever i do then they bounce off of that and so it's just basically this musical conversation where my whole life has been trying to trying to harmonize uh with mm -hmm. people around me and so for me going back to the natural thing it, it just it was just this innate thing inside of me where uh by the time i got old enough to have like my own bands my own groups and, and play with people um, including Ross Sal, it was, it was just kind of like what I do just as a, 
as an improv musician, just kind of jamming back and forth, I'm always looking for that that harmony. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, I right. think um, I I would say uh, having that experience of um, being in the studio with Will I Am and those guys, and and uh, him opening the door for us to have our input on ideas on songs and just different things like that really flex that muscle. And he does such a, a, a wide re, uh, a range of different um, genres. Um, it, it just kind of uh, helped for me being in that room and in that experience to also um, be able to be flexible on what, what you write and how you approach songs creatively. And, you know, you have sometimes, at least for me, I've learned to be able to to be able to write where I'm in in my shoes, but at the same time to be able to write uh, in a perspective out of my shoes. Yes. And so, um, you know, and then also being in a health a healthy competitive environment where everybody's invited to kind of see who could bring the best idea or the best verse and stuff like that. And it's like um, one of the things that me and Davey always say is that heat and pressure creates diamonds. So it's just like during those times where you're getting that heat and that pressure, that that that's where great stuff is usually uh, born. You know, that's where the diamond is formed right there. Right. So um, working with them prepared me to be able to work with such a talented individual like Davey and for us to really create that Zupanova sound. Because so it's different from a lot of other sounds out there. And you know you have to really be confident on what you're working on, and knowing that it that it has a place, and that it could fit in the months of uh, what's happening right now, in yeah. a sense. So, Russell, where do you see this going, the the group? Where do you see you guys? What are, what are your goals and stuff that you want to accomplish? Um, we have really big goals, actually, because with you know obviously being around guys like uh black ips and stuff like that you can see how they've become such a global success so that's just inspiration for us to also build our we're in the process of building our zupa world in a sense mm -hmm. and so uh zupa nova is just one part of the zupa world that we're bringing to the table so we're we're getting we're, we're going to be uh, doing events we're going to be doing um fashion and um you know also getting involved with more nonprofits and things like that, but we're pretty much building a, a Zupa world around a Zupa Nova. Yeah. Anything from uh, like setting up our own uh, 501c3 um, known as the Zupa Foundation. You heard it here first. And, uh, and, and because we've been, we've been um, kind of collabing with, uh, with other nonprofits for, for years now, uh, most notably uh, ambition.org, which, um, primarily deals with uh like underprivileged youth in the LA area and so we've just kind of had this passion for uh for giving back and so we kind of have our own thing with the super foundation that we're going to link up with some of these other um nonprofits as well <clears throat> try to do like some 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 super collabs on that end um as well as the kind of bringing f uh music fashion and lifestyle um, together in these events where it's not just going to be a concert. It's not just going to be like a runway show. It's not just going to be like, like a, an art gallery. 
um, where right. people will bring in, you know, their their artisan crafts and 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 things of that nature, but just try to kind of you know take that supernova, which is originally like where the band name came from, but instead of from A to Z, we're gonna put that flip from Z to A, Zupa. So we're gonna put that Zupa twist on it and and just try <laughs> to kind of have that you know explosion of of sound, color, frequency, you know, styles. And, uh, and and so we want to make it um, less of a concert and and less of a of a runway show and less of a, an art gallery and and things of that type and more of an experience. Mm-hmm. I, I have to, as an entrepreneur, um, you know, I, I love how this thing go when you when you build connections and you try to create, right? You right. know, the NFL. The NFL was a, a 501c6 up until 2015, wow. right? So there is like so many ways to to create and to bring people together. And you guys are killing me how modest you guys are right now. And I, I really <sighs> appreciate how you guys broke that down and putting the Z on to the, you know, doing it backwards. But mm. what is the mission and vision, right? Um, just by starting the 501c3, like you guys coming together and saying that, yeah, with the ambition uh, project, like what is that? What is the, the 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 unique, you know, details and the gristle of y'all's mission and vision though, right? Right. Right now, uh, what we're really excited about is the next song we're getting into is called Zupa Love. And it's just all about spreading love, spreading more love to the world. And so uh, we're in the process right now of putting together a Zupa Love concert series. So the Zupa and a docu-series. And so it's going to be kind of like documenting the process of what we're going to be doing now and leading up to next year because we're in talks with um, the commerce of orange county to do uh, a zupa love festival mm. so we're going to be doing a zupa love concert series leading up to a zupa love festival that will be doc- that will be um pretty much documenting the process and so the thing i think is really important with the youth especially and um tied in with the nonprofit as well like for the past few years we've been working a lot with the youth and inviting them on to perform with us great talents that they'll learn our songs and they'll be rapping the verses and all kind of things like that. So I think it's important um, for these kids to have the opportunity to be on the same stage as some of this established talent. And they have that on their resume, you know, because it's like, you know, as a, you know, as a youth, you're just trying to chase doing a demo or doing all these things and doing showcases, but if you're able to be on the same stage and open up or, you know, with a, a big headliner and you share that, that's something that you have on your resume forever, you know, and giving kids that kind of opportunity, I think, and that experience mm-hmm. and that feeling to be on that same stage, I think is important and what we want to provide uh, going forward with the events and things like that, the fashion shows that we'll be doing and providing. Yeah. Really, really being able to open up a, uh... Uh, doors and opportunities that that were never open for us and so you know to try to give ourselves a uh, a platform that you know we can kind of uh you know give back in that sense of like um for years i was uh a music educator and I, i would teach multiple instruments and my whole thing was well let me teach like 
all the stuff I grew up wishing that somebody showed me, let me try to show that, you know, and then sort of, uh, uh, within that giving, you sort of receive your, your own blessings of, of not only like, let's say, you know, a lot of teachers say sometimes they learn more from the student than the, than the student learns from them, even if it's like a life lesson or something like that, or just like how to, how to communicate, uh, with other people, how to, how to reach them in ways that you haven't been able to reach people before and things like that. And so, so yeah, ultimately, um, we basically just want to be able to open these doors and, and, and provide some opportunities that, that we really never had ourselves. All right. Well, where's the good, best place you guys can find information on you? Where can we, where can we go? Um, you can find us at zupanovaofficial.com. And of course, every major platform out there, all the social medias, uh, you can find us at Zupanova, Z-U-P-A-N-O-V-A. Are you, where are you guys touring? What cities? You're going to be doing some tours too, right? You're going to be coming, going out. We are. Well, we have um, this this month. We'll be filming um, to our um, Zupa Love music video that we plan on releasing early next month. Uh, the next gig we have will be for the uh, May Fest Festival, May Fest Festival, which is um, going to be benefiting care caregivers. And so this is uh, in Carson Civic Center on May seventh, and we'll be there. Uh, That's in uh, California, as well as right? The Wish Bus. It's Carson yes, here in California. Yeah. Yeah, I have a connection. Carson with, City, yeah. I have a great connection. It's a caregiver that's like pretty known, but on 40 different channels, stations and stuff like that. I'll connect you. I'll, I'll let your publicist know because nice. he's really into the caregiving end. And I also, you should guys read out, reach out to, um, oh my gosh, I'm thinking of the guy's name, Celebrity. He's doing a caregiving show too. So uh, that's fantastic. What yeah, you guys please, please, please connect, uh, connect us. Cause I'm actually also, uh, that's what I do too. I'm also a caregiver. Uh, outside Are you? The artist oh, you have to meet caregiver Dan yeah. Danny. I have to introduce you to him. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, that'd be great. Excellent. I'd love you, to invite him out, especially it's, it's uh, oh, he lives in LA, so you can come out and all that. So I'll make that connection with your publicist. All right, guys, we Perfect. appreciate thank it. You. Best of luck to you. Hey, okay? thank you. All right. Hey, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for guys. All right, guys. Listening and watching Neil Haley show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show and the Caregiver Dave celebrity segment. Excited first to welcome the program, Caregiver Dave and Sandy. Dave, how are you, man? What's going on? I'm doing great. Enjoying the LA rain. Uh, It's never stopped raining for two months now, and uh, never thought I'd ever see that in 44 years that I've been here. Oh my goodness! Go figure. The weather and everything. And our guest today is Sarah Syed. And her and she is the star of his only son, Sarah. Thanks for stopping by. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very good. And yes, I just came from LA. It was unreal, Dave. I I, I hear you. Okay, so <laughs> you came from LA. So tell us the experience again, and specifically that not now you're you're back. Where are you right now, Sarah? Um, I'm sorry. I, where are you now? Where Where are you located right now? Where oh, right now I'm in LA. I, I, okay. Yes, I, I was born in Tehran. I moved to London for about 15 years, and then I came to Cambridge to study, and I'm in L.A. now. So tell me about uh, His Only Son. Give us the premise of it. Well, uh, His Only Son is this, for me, I would I would say, personally, it was like a beautiful 
spiritual journey for me as an actor, as an artist, but also I feel like it's a very important story told through um, the narrative of a, of a biblical narrative of these characters who for, for the longest time, for a lot of us, have been these like superhero distant, um, these these grand characters that we, we couldn't really relate to. But I've always obviously loved the story and I, I had I had I had done it even in school um, as part of our theater group. But the beauty of the film, I, I believe, is this um, is the story of Abraham um, and how he and his devotion to God and, and his commitment to his vocation and his search for truth. And throughout this journey, he's told that he needs to prove himself. He needs to show that he's um, he's all in. And so he's asked to um, sacrifice his only son, who had um, with who he who who he conceived with with Sarah. They had um, for years and years been trying, and this this journey of having having Isaac was cumbersome to say the least, and it ended up it ended up being his biggest sacrifice. And so I don't want to tell you, I mean, I know everyone knows the story, but the beauty of the film is that at every, during every frame throughout the entirety of the journey, you still question whether this is going to happen and whether he's going to do it. Um, and I, and I think the dynamic between Abraham and Sarah, Sarah is just one of um, true love and commitment and devotion to one another uh, that everyone can relate to and the struggles of 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 uh being part of a relationship and having have to strive through the the complexities and challenges of life sarah is this a movie that christians will enjoy that muslims will enjoy that jews will enjoy absolutely i mean i i was i was personally i was born um Muslim. I I grew up in a society where I felt like in a lot of ways that religion didn't um, uh, and it was very oppressive for me. And I believe that God and religion has to free you uh, in order to in order for you to be of service to causes greater than yourself. Yeah. And 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 for me, I believe this this film is a beautiful journey, whether you're a believer or non-believer, you, you find this sense of um um uh, spiritual awakening but also it feels like it's it's an invitation to to yeah. come and observe and be a part of it in farsi we um we uh, uh, the word for god is khoda which is short for bekhoda which means come to oneself come to yourself and i think this is this this film is a beautiful homage to that no definitely so talking about the filming of the film we talked about the premise it had to have been a challenge, right? It's not the oh my God. filming to try to really depict that time period, have the yeah. right background, all that. So explain that. Yeah, I mean, David, Roman, everyone on the team, everyone in the crew, uh, they did such a beautiful job. I watched the film for the first time yesterday. Uh, sadly, I missed the premiere because I was on an, on another shoot. Um, I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I was, I, I mean, I knew what they were capable of, but to 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 go back to how we had to do it in the heat of the desert with the minimum bare minimum obviously in terms of just budget it was a it was a it was a low budget film um it was such a labor of love from the get-go everyone had put so much soul and love into it that we knew it was going to be something special but i believe in a lot of ways and i i mean i i, I don't know if i'm biased because of the fact that i have so much love for the team but um <clears throat> 
it truly feels like watching a masterpiece. It's so sensual. It's so authentic. Every frame is just so um, important. It's the, There's no fluff. And even though it's a beautiful, long journey, it never feels boring. Um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a struggle. I have so many funny memories. I mean, we were, I had to be aged. And so we had prosthetics on my face and jowls and what have you. And, and David had lots of hair on his face and it had to be glued on and I remember in the in the, in the deep heat of the desert we would like every time we would embrace or come close or kiss each other on the face um, my jowl would be stuck on his face and his beard on mine and we were in the middle of a like an intense emotional scene that had to be redone all over again oh, um, yeah it was but it was it was just so fun it was just so wonderful Sarah, I, I'm a Christian. I love the story. I've read it so many times. The yes. biblical account. Um, many films have been made about this part of of the Bible. But um, how is yours different? I mean, uh, are you? Is it strictly the biblical account? Have you taken creative license? I mean, how is it different from from what's out there? I think I and I think I, I have also watched uh, there was a film that I was absolutely truly in love with, even though I now when I think about it, it's it, 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 it's it's historical, I think, for me. When I first I wasn't even let me tell you the story, actually, when I um, I wasn't supposed to audition for the film, I went to this massive sort of structure where they were casting um, different films. It's a very well-known one in L.A. Um, and I just saw the script on on the wall and the sides. And as you said, this is a beautiful story. Um, it's very nostalgic for me personally. And I loved it. I've loved it. Uh, it's one of those very, as you said, um, biblical, favorite biblical stories of mine. And I, 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 I got up looked at the sides and I was reading it and Roman, our producer, opened the door and he was like, um, are you here to audition? And I was like, no. And he was like, what's your name? I said, Sarah. And he's like, oh, great. We're auditioning for Sarah. Come in. Uh, and that that the rest is history. It, it was just pure serendipity from the get go. The beauty of this, the way this story is being told for me um, really stems from David's devotion to getting the facts historically right, but also his in-depth research uh, with respect to scripture, with, with respect to authenticity of the characters, of its historical value. And, and for me, I knew I was in safe hands. We would be depicting something that is truthful, relatable, honest, and and I think as artists, we owe it to the society to make sure that they can relate to these characters and they're not these grand, you know, these superheroes that are very distant. Uh, I think that the beauty of this story is that everyone can see a part of themselves in Abraham, in Sarah, and their relationship, the and other characters. The customs and traditions of the time as well. Absolutely. While, as you said, remaining true to the customs and the traditions That's of great. the time. Can't yeah. wait to see it. No, uh, my I, I question wait to, to, to you, see. Sarah, is Angel Studios, What? The, how's the, how are they different than other studios? I mean, um, it's the people. It really is about the people. I, I, yesterday I was like, it's, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just like uh, too emotional and going through this whirlwind right now, but I li literally looked at some, uh, Judy and Kelly and all the other members that I had seen through Angel Studios and Jen Jeremy. And I was like, 
what are you, what are you guys? What are you made of? Why are you so good? Why are you so wonderful? I couldn't even, and I, and I believe the reason why Angel Studios is so successful and has managed to um, spearhead so many wonderful projects is because the people are all about the project and they take care of their talent. They take care of their crew. They're very respectful. And the stories are important to them because it means that it will change something in the society. It would, it would provoke people to be thoughtful, to be more, to have hope and be resilient towards this. And I think just, just that kind of a strategy and not it being about profit necessarily in the beginning. Uh, I know obviously it's a it's ultimately a business that has to go around but just the, the the from from the inception of every project it's about the substance it's about the people and it's about what they can give back to the world and i think that's what makes angel studios so special at least for me all right so sarah basically um dave has another question after asking one more question where can we find the film and stuff is it in theaters yet when is it coming out it is it is in 2000 theaters um i, I guess worldwide it's been translated in 15 different languages, if I'm not mistaken. I might, yeah. Um, it's tipped to be doing really, really well in the box office. So, I mean, the list, we, we've we actually spoken to the social media team and we're going to send, um, basically post a list of all the theaters in LA and all the different cities that it's going to be showing on, but it's going to be fully accessible for everyone. And we're so, so happy to, it started from last night. And so we're so happy to, um, see the audience's reaction. So, Dave, you have to go in LA to it. That's for sure. Yeah, we're, we're moviegoers every single week. Can't wait. Oh my god, 2000, I can't wait. Two thousand languages for a low budget film. Wow. Oh, it's in. It's. I think it's in fifteen different languages in two thousand cinemas. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my last question, Dave has a caregiving question. Go ahead, Dave. So I'm I'm a caregiver to my wife. I believe everyone is either going to become a caregiver or need a caregiver one day. And it happened to me 27 years ago. My wife lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side from a stroke. And I made a lot of mistakes. And it's a tough, tough job. 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do. And many more get sicker than the ones they care for, eventually need a caregiver of their own. So I became Dave the Caregiver's Caregiver and now host uh, wellness retreats in Acapulco. I've spoken on television 57 times about this topic, uh, preventing your loved one's illness or disease from killing you, et cetera. How has caregiving uh, touched your life, Sarah? Oh, that's so beautiful, Dave. Um, that just, it's so, it's so crazy because in a lot of ways, I was just, as you were talking, I, I was not naturally, I was talking, thinking about the film and the struggle between Sarah and David and the conversations we were having last night with Nicholas. Um, the beauty of what you're doing, I think we, we, we basically come into this life, like different planets, we sort of clash into each other and we're supposed to fulfill each other, not make each other necessarily happy, but love each other and fulfill each other. And the wonderful thing about caregiving is that commitment to love and respect and ultimately it not being about having the perfect partner perfect everything perfect life perfect circumstances but devoting yourself to someone that you believe is the love of your life and it's so so incredibly wonderful i mean i sadly i i lost my grandmother uh, to alzheimer's and Sorry. and i didn't even manage to go back to see her and be at her funeral but for years um I remember just watching this uh, 
this this person that was um everything to me just uh slip away and sadly um she couldn't remember anyone but she could only remember she would call my cousins um after me she would call them sarah and um it it's 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 one of those beautiful things that you kind of you see the ephemeral nature of life and love and um regardless it's 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 a beautiful and brave thing dave what you're doing it's it's people like small people like us wouldn't be able to live up to live up <laughs> oh, to you but um i i <laughs> we do I, what I, we have to do i completely understand but i'm also in awe and inspired by that but that's how it oh, affected my life i watched the most important woman in my life um oh. go through that and it was it was it was hard absolutely well, i have a website now caregiverdave.com anyone who can uh, want to have a support group, you know, you need support, you need uh, respite, you need uh, vacations. So you can look us up at caregiverdave.com. It's a pleasure talking to you. All right. And Sarah, we appreciate it. Where social media can people follow you and find you? I'm uh, I'm on Instagram. I know I have to have a Twitter, but I think Instagram has been cumbersome enough. But um, my name is Sarah Sayed on it. Um, I'm, I'm very currently, I'm, I was a human rights lawyer before I, I became an actor. So I'm very, I do a lot of humanitarian and political stuff okay, <laughs> um, for Iran. So that there might be a bit shocked, but I'll start posting film stuff soon. All right. Well, we appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Again. Thank All you. Right. All right. Thank Take you care. so much. All right. You're listening you and watching the Neil Haley show and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley show and the love is podcast. I'm excited to welcome Kim Sorrell author of Love Is. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest. I'm doing great, Neil. Thank you so much. And I am excited about our guest. There are a few things that I know about this man that I'm excited to talk to and meet. Pastor Jay Stewart, I know that he must be a very wise man because apparently he met his wife in high school and knew a good thing when he saw it. So good for you. You're a patient man. You have five kids and three grandkids. You are an ambitious man. You started a church in your basement that now has, I believe, three campuses and is a large church doing incredible things. And you're extra ambitious because at the age of 60, living out a dream that you've had forever, we get to talk about today. Pastor Jay, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Hey, Kim and Neil, thank you so much. What an honor to be with you today and talk about the dream of God. Yeah. Right. So tell us more about this dream when this dream started and how it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah. Interestingly enough, it actually started about 40 years ago. And at that time I was in college and I'm somewhat of a thrill seeker. And at the time it just sounded like a really cool, fun thing to do for a college student. But over time it has morphed uh, much more into a kingdom dream and really um, just over the past year have seen um, just a collision of destiny and the dream uh, coming uh, into fruition and uh, just now days away from becoming a reality. Wow. So tell us what's becoming a reality. So uh, <laughs> I'm a card carrying certified crazy man, but uh, <laughs> on May the 4th, which is the National Day of Prayer for America, I'll dip the back tire of my bicycle in the Pacific waters at Corona Del Mar, California, and I'll begin a 3,400-mile bicycle ride 
across America, uh, all the way to Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, I'm doing that all in an effort to raise a million dollars for an organization that I've been partnered with for the last seven years called Love Life. And I could not be more excited and more terrified at the same time. I can totally see that. You are a certified crazy man, apparently. That must be accurate. That is a long way. I have to tell you, though, I asked Alexa, because I ask her everything. I asked her how long of a ride it is from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. And the answer was four to five hours. (laughs) Yeah, so good luck with that. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah. uh if yeah. i were on a learjet i'm sure that would be the case but not on <laughs> a bicycle not on a bicycle how many days will this take you uh we're projecting about seven weeks kim uh start to finish i, I do have a couple of off days uh on the ride not many but i i do have a few and i'll have to average 80 miles a day now some days are longer some days are 120 Some days are 60, but the average will be 80 to 85 miles every day. Are you in pretty good shape? You seem like it to be able to do this, right? You're ready for it, right? Yeah, Neil, I believe so. I mean, I've been training specifically for this since August the 5th, uh, nine months exactly to the day that I start, which is interesting. And, um, you know, I've logged about 2,000 miles since August the 5th. And I feel like I'm ready. I'm I'm uh, ramping up my training here this uh, these last few weeks, uh, just to be sure I'm doing everything I can uh, to be ready. But I've never done anything like this in my life, and I'm trusting God really that uh, He's going to give me the supernatural strength. You know, the Philippians three fourteen reality: I can do all things, or four thirteen, pardon me, all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, I believe that's going to happen for you. I have to tell you that I have a hard time committing to an entree when I go out for dinner. So to commit to this long of a bike ride, I bow to you, sir. Congratulations on your commitment. And I know you're doing it because, first of all, it was a dream, but but really because of this organization that you're partnering with, that is a wonderful organization. Yeah. Part of their mission statement is uh, uh, that they want to create a culture of love. Yeah. I love that. I love that to to motivate churches, to mobilize churches, to to do the right thing, right? Like for so long, maybe we haven't been handling things quite the right way. Yeah. So so yeah. I love the mission of this mission. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely, an amazing organization that started seven years ago by a young entrepreneur here in Charlotte named Justin Reeder. And Justin was just gripped with what I would agree is the greatest moral issue of our day when we think about the fact that uh, 63 million babies in America have been killed uh, that we know of since 1973. And so Justin really wanted to create an organization that would mobilize the church and others not to go out and scream and judge and yell at people that were having an abortion, but to create a culture of love and life. And so love life really has combated this evil through prayer and worship. And now in over 20 cities across the U.S., the church is being mobilized to go and to see the unborn rescued, but it's not just to prevent abortion. 
but it's also to rally around the moms who are choosing life and to disciple them and to journey with them and to resource them. And, and it goes beyond that for women who have had an abortion. It's not an unforgivable sin, but Love Life really ministers to them and the men who were involved in that to help them to find a place of healing. And then lastly, they're really mobilizing the church to foster and adopt children that need a family. And so it's kind of the full circle of how they're caring for children, both the unborn and the born, and the moms and dads as well. And that's why I love love life. And that's why I felt like God directed me that I was to do this uh, at the age of 60. Uh, we know that it was historic last year when the Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, was overturned by the Supreme Court. But we also know the battle didn't stop there. The battle really heated up even more when it went to the states. And I believe the timing of God is impeccable as it relates to the church becoming more bold and courageous and taking ground uh, on this issue. So let's talk about this, Pastor Jay, more. How are you going to raise a million dollars? That's probably the hardest challenge, right? To be able to raise that money for this bike ride. Yeah, I, I, it's monumental, Neil, to say the least. But we're just believing that the body of Christ is going to rally around a crazy dude, a crazy pastor, and say, you know what? It's time that the church really gets more involved, more engaged, and more vocal about this issue so that we can take ground with this. And so the goal is that we just resource uh, a, a, an amazing organization like Love Life with the ability to expand into more cities. And then uh, another goal that's probably even more important than the million dollars is that we want to see a thousand House of Refuge churches raised up. So back to the goal of the monetary goal, we're asking that teams across the nation be formed to ride virtually with me. And uh, and that's happening. There's teams that are forming all across the country and people are saying, I'll ride on my Peloton. I'll ride at my gym. I'll get out on my mountain bike. I'll get my kids out on the Greenway and we'll log some miles with this crazy guy and we'll help to raise the funds and they get people to sponsor them. And then also we're just asking pastors and churches, hey, become a house of refuge church uh, and mobilize your people to get involved. I I love that. I love all of it, that you're involving so many people, that people are getting behind what you're doing. I like very much that it's not going and yelling at people who are getting an abortion. Yeah. My word, you know, I think of the kind of the cruelty of that, right? I mean, these poor women right. that are in these positions and you know, to, to some people, abortion is not a thing, right? I mean, everybody comes from a different spot and doesn't understand. And But the emotional scars that can be left are tough. And right. so to help with that and help with, okay, so you're going to have the baby. Now what? I mean, of course, we should be helping the mamas and we should be counseling and we should be embracing. And, and those are the things that we should do. And so I'm glad and happy to hear that there's an organization that has really looked at how things have been done and they're changing things. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing because statistically, every church in America probably has some women that have had abortions sitting in their yep. pews. 
No doubt about it, Kim. In fact, 25% of those that are sitting in the churches every week have either had an abortion or been involved somehow in an abortion. And uh, you're exactly right. And it's, again, it's not the unpardonable sin. The Lord desires to bring healing to those who have made that choice in the past or those who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy that might be inclined to run to the abortion clinic. And we're just saying, no, run to the church because there are churches across the nation that are not going to shame you. They're not going to judge you or condemn you. As a matter of fact, the opposite. They're going to love on you. They're going to surround you. They're going to disciple you. And they're going to journey with you. It's not just, you made that decision, great. Hope everything works out okay for you. No, that's not what this is about. We want to journey with you and walk with you. And every week, Kim, sitting on the front row of my church, is a gal who last year at this time uh, showed up for an abortion at the abortion clinic. There were people out there just loving on her. She made the decision, the courageous decision to keep her baby. And now every week she sits on the front row of our church because she was cared for, discipled, and her little boy is being raised in the house of God. To me, oh my gosh, that is absolutely beautiful. Now, um, Pastor, how the big? How do you get all these churches to be involved? That's another. I talked about the million dollars to raise. How do you have so many yes. churches in this whole ride that you're going to be visiting? It's got to be what? What an amazing thing to meet so many different people on this journey. Yeah, Neil, I'm I'm excited that all across the country, uh, as I'm journeying and logging those miles every day, I'm going to be able to meet with pastors and others in different cities all across the country and just share with them my heart and why I'm doing this and what love life is all about and how they can become involved, how they can be a house of refuge church. And what does that mean? What does that even look like? What does it mean to be a house of refuge church? And even if love life doesn't have a presence in their city, they can still be a house of refuge church. Even if they're in another country, they can mm. still Thank you so much for what you are doing. And um, I can't imagine, I hope that you've got a really nice seat on your bike because uh, they're not necessarily known for comfort. And that is yeah. a lot of riding in a day, 80 miles a day. And I'm pretty sure it's not all going to be flat. Oh, it would be nice if that were the case, Kim. But no, <laughs> I've got some tough climbs I know in New Mexico and Texas and different places, even when I get over into Alabama and Georgia, there's going to be, unfortunately, lots of hills, but I, I think my legs are ready for it. I'm praying so, and my seat is ready. I've logged lots of miles, so everything is good and broken in there. All right. Kim has her final question, and it's involving love. Go ahead, Kim. So, Pastor Jay, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and he passed away just six weeks after that. Mm. And it made me question life a little bit, you know, because uh, I love that man, yes. and I didn't expect to be alone in my 40s. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just tough stuff, right? And one mm -hmm. of the things I questioned was love, because there seems to be this mystery about really what is the definition of love. Mm. And John says that God is love. We're created in God's image. So love must be so much more than a feeling or an emotion. So 
So I dedicated a year, and I talk about not committing to an entree. I did commit to this year, which blew my mind that I was able to do it, uh, to go on this quest to figure out the true meaning of love. I used First mm. Corinthians for 13, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Mm. And I uh, focused on one word a month to figure out, well, what is love that is patient? What is wow. love that is kind? It blew my mind. I was in Haiti most of the time, but man, my life changed. My world rocked Wow! because there are things we teach about love that really are not, right? Things yeah. done in the name of love, like even with what you're doing, you know, people that have been the yellers outside of the abortion clinics, yeah. they were doing it out of love, kind of, sort yeah. of right? or thought they were, yeah. right? Or they were yeah. doing it in the name of love and thought that was love. And so, you know, we do things and say things that really aren't love. And so anyway, uh, I just learned so much. It was just such a cool journey. And I, I'd love to hear, what is your definition of love? Well, Kim, talk about a loaded question. I should be asking you that because it sounds like your quest has probably unearthed some invaluable treasures as it relates to love. And you said it, God is love. And it, the character of God never, ever changes, even in the midst of bad things or hurtful things or unfair things. You know, the scripture talks about a tower of Siloam that fell on some people that were praying and worshiping. You know, like, where's the love in that? I mean, where how, how can that happen to good people? And what happened to you was not fair. And I'm so sorry about that. But it it does not change the character of God. And really the model for my life, and I'm sure for yours as well, it just goes back to that cliche, WWJD. What would Jesus do? How would Jesus act? How would Jesus treat people that are unlovable? How would he treat people that are making horrific decisions and killing a baby or whatever it might be? And I just try to default to that all the time. I know I don't get it right, but I, I just really, and I believe the Lord will faithfully show us what that looks like, how to flesh that out in day-to-day -day life so that we accurately represent his heart here on the earth as living epistles. That's beautiful. I love that. And, you know, I actually have wristbands that are WWLD, what would love do? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Right? Because Jesus, yeah. you know, different people look at Jesus different ways. And, right. you know, you and I, he's all about peace and love and and was the total demonstration of love for us, yeah. but but not the same for everybody. So right. what would love do is what would God do? What would Jesus do? I mean, it's all mm -hmm. the same. And I love that, that you said that. So yeah. beautiful. Jeez, Pastor, you are good off the cuff. That was oh, really good. That was great. You, yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Where can Pastor Jay, can we find information? People can, uh, can be part of this whole challenge you're about to do. Yeah, thank you so much, Neil. Please go to the website, which is liferideusa.org. Liferideusa.org. There's some great videos, explanations, a way for you to sign up to form a team, sign up to join a team. Uh, you can click a button to donate uh, to help us financially to reach the goal. You can find out about House of Refuge Churches. All of the information is there at that website. Well, we appreciate it, Pastor Jay. Thanks again. Neil, Kim, thank you so much. Again, it's been an honor to be with you today. Thank you. Please pray for me.
Oh right, yes, for roll. sure. <laughs> All right, you're, that was a special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and the Love Is podcast. Take care. Hi everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing fantastic, Neil. And I really, I just can't wait to talk to this next guest. And when you look at his initials, you'll realize that he's the original AAA. <laughs> uh, so our guest today is Art Aris. He's a director. And we had such an amazing conversation last time. And congrats on your success, Art. You got to feel great about how the movie has done and everything. It's got to feel great, right? You know, it, you it decided, decided to do it based on your church. You decide, I want to bring this story because of what you do and and congrats bringing that great cast together and the success in Fathom. So tell us the success, first of all, Fathom, how you did it. You have top 10. That's got to feel great. Sure. Well, Neil, let me say, first of all, we would not have gotten there without people like you guys. I mean, we just were really so blessed by the incredible PR that we had. But yeah, it did well in theaters. Uh, it was to be a one night, but in some places it went like two, three, four weeks. We just had some really good response. Of course, locally here in Florida, it did well. But anyway, yeah, we did. Actually, we had the third highest per screen average and uh, number 10 overall box office. That was 608 uh, screens. If they had given us a full regular movie release, we would we would have rocked it. We had the third highest per screen average. I mean, there was, um, there was a Marvel movie out and other ones that we just did extremely well but yeah we were we were we were grateful no that's yeah. fantastic it, the timing seems just incredible with christian movies that are coming out just killing it now and there's <laughs> they're so needed now these days um what can you tell us about like feedback that you're getting from your films and you know other films of directors that are you know doing christian-based movies that's a good question, Greg. Uh, well, the, the biggest overall overarching comment we get, they cannot believe that this is a true story. We just hear that over repeatedly. We just had somebody just watched it up in Illinois that emailed and said, I kept watching this movie and I kept wishing, oh, I wish this was true. I wish this was true. <laughs> and then he got to the end and found it was true. He was just blown away. Um, but, you know, that was one reason, Neil, I really felt we needed to do a motion picture because it's such a powerful story. The ABC affiliate in Orlando had been over here seven or eight times to do stories. And we said to really capture the the essence and the epicness of this true story, we felt like we needed a movie. And uh, so anyway, it's you know now we're on streaming platforms and we're I'm waiting to see numbers on that. I don't have numbers in yet from Amazon and Voodoo, but um, we just released. But we're hopeful. And that's 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 the exciting part is people want to do this, and then then now when it's released, there'll be other parties, there'll be other communities. We're seeing this in the Christian realm that they're they're using this as a great way of ministry to put people together to watch these great films and that's the amazing part of it it's not just like one person streaming it it's a bunch of people streaming this that's the power yeah and the, the great thing too about streaming because i just read today that you're in like 180 countries that's the beautiful thing about streaming it can just have immediacy to be downloaded anywhere else but yeah we um we are very excited about the story, but the big thing guys is we really want to see community impact and we're hearing great impact. There was the vice mayor. You asked me what happened. The, they had a meeting in Nashville. The vice mayor of Nashville was there and other people. And they're saying, okay, what can we do in Nashville? There's a group in Los Angeles saying we got a major problem with homelessness in Los Angeles. What can we look at this model? And basically we feel like we've got a model now that you can take 
in any community to really begin addressing addiction, addressing homelessness. It's just that, you know, we've done a, a, a pretty big heavy lift here in Leesburg, Florida, but we think that it's very duplicatable across the nation. And that's really kind of our hope to see happen with this, guys. Oh, that's so true. And I mean, even larger cities, you know, sure, there's people on addiction and sex trafficking. 